Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back, 94 WIP Radio Engine Glenn Mac. Now, Saturday at noon, time for Tell Us Your Story, sponsored by Meridian Bank, one of the area's best business banks. Learn why at meridianbanker.com slash WIP. Well, Ross Tucker is the second most famous graduate of Why I'm Missing Area High School. He went on to become a four-year starter and, by his own definition, a meathead at Princeton University, signed as an undrafted free agent with Washington in 2001, played in 42 games in a seven-year NFL career. His post-playing career is a display of talent and energy. He has been uh, writing, working in radio, hosting a half-dozen podcasts on TV. The highlight, of course, working with Ray and me on the WIP Eagles pregame show. We welcome him now for Tell Us Your Story, Ross Tucker. Thanks for joining us. It is my pleasure, guys. I am truly honored. I love this series that you guys have. I love anything like this. I love deep dives. I swear the only things I watch on TV, like when I'm working out, other than live sports, it's like a 30 for 30 or, you know, uh, any type of documentary, any type of NFL film stuff. So I love deep dives like this. Truly honored that you two guys who I've been fans of for a long time would have me on the show. I do have to correct you though. Glenn. What's that? I just and this is amazing. I just found a loophole. Cuz you said I'm the second most famous why missing high school. Well, we're going to get graduate. to the most famous in a bit, but yeah. No. She she left when she was 14. Uh, so uh, I just realized uh, I can actually stake that claim cuz okay. she left. Well, when there she you go. All right. I want to get to it. We're going to get to it all. Let's start with this. You grew up in Why I'm Missing West of Reading. What is your first memory of playing football as a kid? Well, so two separate things. Uh, number one, my first memory of my entire life was when I was maybe five or six, and my parents took me to a Penn State game. And uh, my parents had season tickets, and I went to a Penn State game. And I'll never forget walking in that stadium and just looking at my dad and being like, yep, 
this is it. This is what I want to do. I, I mean, I just the, mm-hmm. the grass was so green, the uniforms were so crisp. So, like every other kid in Reading, Pennsylvania, I wanted to play football for Penn State and then the Eagles. Like I decided that's what I'm going to do. Right? Like it's that easy. Mm-hmm. But that's what I wanted to do. Um, my parents wouldn't let me play until I was in sixth grade because they were afraid I would get hurt, which I always thought was funny because I was pretty confident I was going to be the one hurting the other people. Um, so they let me play in sixth grade. Probably my first memory is in seventh grade. They moved me to fullback and I scored a touchdown. And my dad is like the second or third game. My dad said, you know, you might never score another touchdown. And I was the fullback, and I was pretty good. And I remember thinking, yeah, right, I'm going to have a bunch of touchdowns. Well, as it turns out, we had an awesome quarterback, and the other running back was better than me. So that was the only touchdown I ever (laughs) scored in my entire life. (laughs) One time in seventh grade at Hamburg. Right? (laughs) Well, I've seen many references and uh, had conversations with you at the stadium often enough to know that you were a um, huge Eagles fan as a kid. I mean, you grew up in an area that – you know, sort of not exactly the suburbs of Philadelphia, far enough out. But you were clearly, you were clearly a, f- a fan of the f- of the Kelly Green, and um, I'm just wondering what was your earliest memory of the Eagles? Because I'm figuring the years you would have been following the team might have been that bridge, sort of between Buddy Ryan Cotite. Was it in that era? So I was a diehard, and my first game, Ray, I distinctly remember this. I remember two things. My dad took me to the vet. I was in the 700 level, and I only remember two things. Every time it was third and long, Randall Cunningham would run on the field to replace Ron Jaworski, and the place would go bananas. And it, now looking back on it, you only bring in a rookie quarterback for third and long. <laughs> I mean, I just – but I remember every time Jaws came out, like he would like get booed. And every time it was third and long and Randall came running on the field, everybody would cheer. That and the, uh, shall I say, extracurriculars at the 700 level were the things that I remembered. Um, But I was a diehard, I'd say, from especially about 85, 86 through 94, 95 maybe even. You know, it's, it's funny. Once you're kind of a high school starting football player, I wasn't really as much of a fan. Uh, I mean, I still watch the games, but you're not as diehard into the into Penn State or the Eagles once you're in high school because you, you think high school is the most important thing and you think what you're doing is the most important thing. But I distinctly remember, Ray, I would go to Eagles training camp at Westchester every year. And my buddy and I, we would dress up. We would dress like we were going to the country club or something because we thought that that might be able to get us better access. And in fact, one year, I distinctly remember, I mean, we were good at this. And I, you know, I got Jerome Brown's autograph and Reggie White and Keith Byers and Keith Jackson. I got Randall Cunningham's autograph three or four times to the point where at one point he said, guys, how, ma- how, many, how many autographs are you going to have me sign today? And he didn't say it meanly, but yeah. he was like – He recognized he, you. He recognized you got us. spotted. But, but that was me. I love, and I was the guy. Okay, I'll give you guys one example. I was the kid that as all the guys are walking off the field at Westchester, and people only know the four or five best players, I would say, 
Mr. McKnight, can you please sign this? <laughs> Dennis McKnight, 12th year veteran O-lineman. He stopped in his tracks. He was shocked. And he came over and he signed my autograph to the point where, guys, the other kids started to crowd around me because I knew everybody. I, like, I knew everybody you know pretty what? much. It sounds, like, it sounds like young Ray. Uh, That's sort of how I started <laughs> yeah. out. All right. I want to move this ahead. Uh, you get three varsity letters in football in high school and basketball, by the way. Average 16 points, nine rebounds as a senior. Impressive. You end up at Princeton. Um uh, why were you recruited other places was it the opportunity to go ivy was it uh was what was the decision great question really late bloomer so ninth grade five nine one fifty tenth grade six foot one seventy eleventh grade i sprouted about six three and a half two ten had a really good year and that's when i first realized that college football was a possibility but I was not nearly fast enough to be a Division One like defensive end, and at 210 pounds, you're not getting recruited to be a, a, a power five offensive lineman. So as it turned out, I really started to put weight on after that because I knew I was going to play college football. So by my senior year, I was probably 245 pounds, but still my options were I had uh, two scholarships to William & Mary and to Delaware, where my uncle had played and, and won the first national championship for Tubby Raymond and where my sister was attending at the time. And then I also, I, you know, I'm fortunate. I only ever had to actually uh, fill out two college applications. It was Harvard and Princeton, and I, I got into both. You know, in the Ivy League, they don't offer you athletic scholarships, but they can uh, uh, support your application. So my application was supported by Harvard football and Princeton football. So it came down to those four. And I remember distinctly thinking, I'm never going to play in the NFL. If I can go to Harvard or Princeton because of football, I got to do that. Nobody from my family had ever gone to a school like that. And my junior high school, Princeton beat UCLA in basketball in the NCAA tournament. They won the Ivy League in football. It was an hour and a half from Wyoming, And it was the most beautiful campus I had ever seen. I wasn't really interested in driving six hours to Boston or being in a city for college. I wanted sort of the quintessential college town. So Princeton was it. Princeton is it, and it, and it is a beautiful place. The, the, it's a beautiful, beautiful city, and the, the campus is gorgeous, and obviously it has a tremendous tradition. So good for you. I mean, Princeton's a great choice for anybody. But uh, you said you, you, part of your decision was based on the fact that you didn't think you were going to play in the NFL. So you weren't thinking about trying to get into the NFL feeder, the classic NFL feeder system. But at some point, Ross, because you had success pretty much right away at Princeton, when did you start thinking, you know what, even though I'm in Princeton now, I think the NFL might be a possibility. How deep into your college career did you begin having those thoughts? I actually first thought of it, Ray, spring of my freshman year. And I'll tell you why. Um, we had an injury when I was a freshman. So I got a chance to start a couple games as a defensive end. I was a defensive end at 260 as a freshman. So I started a couple games, Colgate, Columbia, and played against Harvard as a freshman defensive end. Over Christmas break, and you guys will appreciate this. And by the way, at 260, I was probably our biggest defensive end. You know, I just kept, kind of kept growing, getting yeah, bigger. Really. 
Um, over Christmas break, I went back to Why Missing, and my friends and I pretty much got a keg of Yingling every night. And I would go to the diner at 2 a.m. and get a milkshake, a full stack of pancakes, and a ham and cheese omelet. I'm not kidding to you guys. When I went back to Princeton, I was 284. And they said to me, what did you do? And I was like, I had an amazing time. And that was the first time they approached me about moving the offense. And they said, listen, you don't have to do it. It's your choice, but you're going to start either way. But we think with the way you can move, if you played offensive line, you could really do something special. They talked to me about Michigan, who won the national championship, and how athletic their offensive linemen were. So I said, okay, I'll try it. So in the spring, I moved to offensive line. And lo and behold, in the 1998, it would have been NFL draft, Matt Burke, the left tackle from Harvard gets drafted in the sixth round by the Vikings. And I played against him as a D-end. And now I'm 290 pounds and I'm playing offensive line. And that was the first time I thought, well, if that guy can get drafted, maybe I can just like go to a training camp and go against a guy from Florida State or Alabama and just see how good they are. That, that was the first time I even thought about it a little bit. So you graduate from Princeton. You don't get drafted, but you do, uh, as, as kind of your dream, uh, I guess, get invited to Washington to, to, play, to play for them. What, tell us about, I guess, 2001, right? Tell us about your first training camp and what that was Marty Schottenheimer's team, what it was like. Yeah, it was the only year Marty was in Washington. Um, I was such a bottom-of-the-barrel prospect, I really did not know if I was even going to get signed as a uh, as a free agent back then they didn't really have mini camp tryouts and it was only an 80 man off season roster so if you didn't get signed you were kind of out of luck thankfully um i did get an opportunity i was probably the 80th guy that they signed and it's interesting whether it was mini camp or training camp i gotta be honest with you guys i really thought that they would be better you know, when you are, and you never hear anybody say that, but when you play in the Ivy League, keep in mind, nobody had even gotten an opportunity from Princeton since Keith Elias, like in 1993. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had been eight years since a Princeton guy even had gotten signed into a training camp. And so I remember we would watch like a, a Penn State Notre Dame game and think, how would we do if we had 13 guys on the field the whole time? You, know, you really didn't know. You really had no clue how good they were. So I had built these guys up so much in my head that when I actually got out on the field, I distinctly remember thinking that they would be better. I mean, they were good. They were certainly better than the Ivy League guys, but they were still human beings. They were just a little bit bigger, a little bit faster, a little bit better. But I got off to a really fast start. I mean, at minicamp, I did very well. Um, Training camp the first week, they were giving me reps with the twos at both guard and tackle. I ended up spraining my MCL, which I don't know, maybe that helped me because then I was out for 10 days, so maybe I didn't get exposed. Washington had serious salary cap issues because the year before, Daniel Snyder had signed 
uh, Jeff George, Deion Sanders, Irving yeah. Fryer, Andre sure. Reed. He had signed the 1990 All-Pro team in 2000. <laughs> so they had major salary cap issues. So they ended up keeping, I want to say, five or six undrafted rookies, including myself and uh, you know Antonio Pierce, Kenny Watson, you know, a bunch of guys that stuck around for a while. Mm-hmm. So I was the ninth of nine offensive linemen that they kept that year. And so I never even spent a week on a practice squad. I was active roster the whole time. I was inactive for 12 games. It was amazing. I, you know, I'm on the team. I'm getting paid. I have no stress or pressure. There's no chance I'm going in the game. You know, it's two hours before the game. I'm at the, fit, at the midfield talking to my girlfriend on the phone eating a hot dog. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you the point that you made is you the big thing was just getting noticed, was just getting that first training game, getting the coach's attention. You know, Brian Baldinger, we, we had on this way back when, when we first started, talked about he was an undrafted free agent going to Dallas uh, and said that uh, about three weeks into training camp, Ernie Staunter, the defensive coordinator, called him over one day before a meeting and said, hey, kid, they're talking about you meaning the coaches in the meetings. Your name's coming up now. You got their attention. Now make it work for you. And I guess you kind of went through the same thing. But as you said, that was Marty Schott. You you got Marty's attention. But at the end of that year, he's gone. He's only there the one year. Now they bring in Spurrier. And I remember reading an interview with you where you said, oh, now I'm right back to square one. Now he doesn't know me. Now I'm just that kid from Princeton again. Yeah, that was tough. After the season, Coach Schottenheimer – had said that he was so impressed with how much I improved and that he envisioned me starting at left guard the next year. And then, like two days later, I find out he gets fired after one year. Remember, we were 0-5 to start the year. We finished 8-8. and So that was my early baptism by fire into the business that is pro football. Ironically, I got off to another really good start with Spurrier and his staff in minicamp showed I could play all five positions and played all five positions well to the point where I actually started all five preseason games in 2002. Our first one was against the 49ers in Osaka, Japan. And keep in mind, Spurrier thought like the preseason games counted. So we were just murdering people. So we were killing people. I was playing well. And I remember thinking, I'm awesome. We're awesome. You know, I was, <laughs> I, we, were, we were very confident. I, well, that was preseason. And um, interestingly, the left guard, I was starting at right guard in the preseason. The left guard was struggling. So they traded for Brendan Stye to play right guard. They moved me to left guard. And in the last preseason game, I did not fare as well because I had no practice reps at left guard. But no excuse. I didn't play as well. So I didn't start the opener. They put me in to start the second half of the second game of the year because the kid that they had in ahead of me struggled. It was against the Eagles. It was a Monday night football game, and uh, I got absolutely worked. I think the first play, or maybe the second or third play, Darwin Walker bull rushed me back into uh, Danny Werfel maybe, I don't know, Shane Matthews for a sack. Then the next series... I'm so worried about Darwin Walker's bull rush that I jack him up. They run a TE. Hugh Douglas comes around the stunt. He gets a sack. I give up two sacks in my first two series, essentially. 
It's Monday Night Football. We're down by like mm. 20 at halftime. I get benched, and I knew right away that my, my days were numbered. They kept me for about five weeks after that. They finally cut me um, you know, midway through October, but it was like my first real opportunity in a regular season game is against my Eagles. A bunch of my high school friends were there, and that's a, uh, that's a top, top 10, maybe top five worst football memory for me because I just think remember after the game thinking I- I'm going to get fired. Like I-, I don't know when, but I'm I'm going to get fired. I'm I'm going to be out here. So let's uh, we have just a minute left here in the first segment before we take a break. And I've heard you tell a story. I don't know if it related specifically to Washington, but what is it like to get cut from an NFL team? Well, because you've been there a few times, four times. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I would say it gets a little easier, um, except for the last one for me. But um, really difficult because I had been starting and was feeling really good about it. And then the night before, I saw that they had signed Trey Johnson back. So I kind of knew it was coming. My phone rang. I was at IHOP with my roommate who uh, was another offensive lineman, phone rang, and it was interesting. They never said cut. They said, uh, hey, Ross, it's Coach Helton. Um, just wanted to give you a heads up that we're going to uh, make a move today and, and put you on practice squad tomorrow, you know, because I still was practice squad eligible. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And um, that was tough because it's just so public, you know, you're – you're 23 years old. Everybody, I felt like, from Why Missing and Princeton was sort of living vicariously through me. So you really feel like you've let a lot of people down. And the other thing that's so interesting about it is I had never been cut from anything. You know, I, you know, I was the best basketball player, the best football player, at least one of them my whole life, right? I'd always been the starter. I'd always been one of the best ones. I distinctly remember thinking, what's it must be like for a seventh grader who gets cut or a ninth grader who gets cut? You know, I was 23, I got cut, and then immediately called my agent and he started going to work and I had made the decision I was not going to be in Washington any longer and it was going to be, do I go with Schottenheimer in San Diego? And then, as I'm guessing we'll talk about when we come back, I end up getting picked up on waivers by the Dallas Cowboys. We will discuss that. You are one of the few people who ever played for the Cowboys who is welcome in this town. So you, <laughs> managed, you managed to accomplish something. Ross Tucker is our guest on Tell Us Your Story today, sponsored by Meridian Bank, one of the area's best business banks. Learn why at meridianbanker.com slash WIP. Welcome back. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack, now Saturday on 94 WIP. Tell Us Your Story, sponsored by Meridian Bank, one of the area's best business banks. Learn why at meridianbanker.com slash WIP. Ross Tucker, our friend, is our guest today. Ray, I hand it to you. <laughs> well, right before the break, Ross was talking about uh, being let go in Washington, and then uh, where do you go from here? Uh, and lo and behold, he winds up going to the Dallas Cowboys, the other half of that great NFC East rivalry. He goes to the Cowboys. Uh, and you wind up coming in, and you're kind of one of those bridge players. You're kind of coming in with the Cowboys at, at a part in their history where they're kind of 
They're worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole. Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast <sighs> spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply kind of you know, a lot of the older veterans a lot of the guys that won the Super Bowls the glory years of the Cowboys are kind of on the wane now uh, but you come in you get an opportunity to play left guard uh, and you're not just replacing anybody when you come in you have to replace Larry Allen who's one of the one of the greatest not only one of the greatest offensive linemen in the history of that franchise but one of the greatest offensive linemen in the history of the NFL a sure Hall of Famer and those are the shoes you're stepping into that's uh, that was a pretty formidable challenge yeah, well, it's interesting because, you know, as we talked about, I, I got cut by Washington and I get picked up on waivers by the Cowboys. And, you know, I grew up in Reading, a huge Eagles fan. And ironically, the only team that wanted to sign me after the draft is Washington. And the only team that picked me up on waivers is the Cowboys. I mean, I grew up <laughs> hating, uh, you know, at the time, the Redskins and the Cowboys. Now I'm playing for them. 
And they picked me up on waivers because they had so many injuries along the offensive line, including Larry Allen. So as it turns out, guys, I, don't, I think it was three weeks after I got there, I made my first start. You know, I started at left guard at Indianapolis at the RCA Dome. And it's really interesting because, you know, they were kind of playing games and they kept putting Larry Allen as like questionable every week because he had a bad ankle, but he was trying to fight through it. I think he had a bad high ankle sprain or whatever. Ray, I've never seen guys so happy to see me every single week. <laughs> every, I mean, I started the last seven games. Every week I come out in the field and they're like, oh, thank God. Thank God it's not Larry Allen. I mean, you were speaking from, of the opponents, correct? Yes, the <laughs> opponents that I've never seen guys so happy to play against me as opposed to Larry Allen, who's you know one of the best guards ever. And so it's really funny. Um, but I'll never forget starting that first game at the RCA Dome. And, you know, they said they introduced the offense. And they said, you know, starting at left guard in his second year from Princeton, Ross Tucker. And guys, just talking with you right now, you know, my eyes fill up and I get goosebumps everywhere. It's hard to... Um, it's hard to explain what that's like, you know, for your dream to come true. Because most people don't, right? Um, most people's dreams don't come true. So that was awesome. And then ironically, two weeks later, we're playing on Thanksgiving. And guess who we're playing against? Washington. Oh, yeah. So one of my top five coolest moments of my life is starting for the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving against the team that had fired me a month earlier, and we beat him. You know, Emmett rushed for over 100 yards. He actually mentioned me on the you know post-game interview when he was getting the turkey leg or whatever they gave him. Troy Aikman mentioned me during the game. So to beat Washington was special. To start on Thanksgiving, I believe – I, I might be wrong on this, but I think the Cowboys Thanksgiving Day game is actually like the second most watched game of the year behind the Super Bowl. It, it's literally that watch. It's, watched. it's always big. It's yeah. huge. And uh, you guys will appreciate this. We win the game. It's awesome. The next day, I get on the first flight from Dallas to Philly because we have the weekend off. My cousin picks me up. And drives me back to Reading. That night was happened to be my Why Missing Area High School class of 1997 <laughs> fifth year high school class reunion. Couldn't script it better. Are you like Ray? Are you kidding me? Wow! I started for the Dallas Cowboys the day before. I mean, if you would have said to me, Ross, what do you want for your fifth high school reunion? I'd be like, I don't know. Maybe I start for the Eagles day before. But Cowboys Thanksgiving. That's close enough. So I walked into that thing. I mean. That was awesome. That, so, was, that was a good. That was a good night. So you were and and are a regular Joe, which is one of the reasons I think you've been very popular in your post uh, playing career. But we'll get to that. You're a regular guy, and you've already dropped into this conversation. Like, yeah, you know, Troy Aikman was talking about me, and yeah, I'm blocking for Emmett Smith. And later, you you get to play with Brady. We'll talk about some of that. At what point do you stop being starstruck and come to the realization like I'm one of these guys dressing in the room with them, practicing with them? 
pretty quickly, actually. You you kind of get used to it. The, you know, the weirdest thing was for me, the fir- the, the the two weirdest things for me, Glenn, was the first time I got into the Washington facility, and you have to take a physical before the rookie, the mini camp, right? The mini camp after the draft. And I'm like behind Bruce Smith in the EKG machine. And then I go to get my blood work done and it's Jeff George. And like, you understand, like I've been watching these guys for years. Daryl Green, like, you know, Big Daddy Wilkinson. I've been watching these guys for years. I've been playing them in video games for years. That was crazy. And then um, ironically, that first training camp, they had moved me to left tackle of all places because the other young guys had been struggling mentally and they knew I wouldn't mess up mentally. And I, because I hurt my MCL, I didn't play in the first preseason game. It was the second preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons. This is 2001, so they'd just been to the Super Bowl a couple years earlier. And Chris Samuels gets hurt on the fifth play. So this is second preseason game in 2001, guys, when the starters would play the whole first half, right? Chris Samuels gets hurt on the fifth play. I'm just standing there. I'm thinking there's no way they're going to put me in. Schottenheimer looks at me and goes, get in there. My first snap in the NFL, I'm in the huddle and I look around. It's Jeff George, Stephen Davis, Stephen Alexander, Michael Westbrook. Like, I literally had watched these guys on TV sure. the year before, and I'm in the huddle, and I just tore my MCL 10 days earlier, uh, grade two, and I'm playing left tackle against Patrick Kearney and Travis Hall and Brady Smith. I look at Jeff George, and I go, hey, Jeff, I'm not going to get beat inside, and I won't let him run me over, but they're coming around the corner. If you guys could ever get that tape – Jeff George had no interest in getting hit in a preseason game. He was, <laughs> he was doing three-yard drops and getting rid of the ball in 1.8 seconds. <laughs> Jeff George was like, the last thing he was going to do is let this Princeton rookie get him hurt. So I think, I think that was when I wasn't starstruck anymore, Glenn, because it was like I'm in the huddle with these guys, and that's actually probably how I made the team. I didn't give up any sacks. I mm-hmm. did okay. So I'm a rookie piece of you-know-what free agent from Princeton, and I play the whole first half against the Falcons' like unbelievable-looking D-line, and I did okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that um, once again you get caught in a, another coaching change in Dallas, and they bring Bill Parcells in. And uh, you had described yourself as a player as uh, not a finesse guy. You were a brawler. You were a, a, just a scrapper kind of player. Uh, but a guy that didn't make mental mistakes, uh, but played every, played every play to the whistle, which to me sounds like a classic Bill Parcells kind of lineman. I mean, you look at the linemen that he won with with the Giants. They were all like that. I mean, you know, the Billiards and Jumbo Elliott. I mean, that's the way they all were. I mean, you were kind of in that mold. So you probably figured when with Parcells coming, and this is going to be a, a really good transition for you. And Parcells comes in, and he winds up he winds up letting you go. That must have been pretty disappointing. Very. And Ray, you summarized that perfectly. I had average to below average physical ability. Um, I had way above average football intelligence and uh, football toughness. So the reason why I lasted seven years 
was I could basically play all five positions, and I got at least five starts at all three interior spots. But also, I was never going to lose the game for you, right? Like, I, you know, but you also always probably would rather have somebody more talented in there. And people said that to my agent. People talked about that. I thought when Parcells got the job, my agent, Joe Linta, had a good relationship with him. I thought it was going to be awesome. I thought he was going to love me. And I, and I thought, well, Parcells, everywhere he goes, they win. So we're going to win. He's going to love me. And, you know, I'm not quite sure what happened there. Um, I definitely was not as strong as he wanted. You know, he, the offseason workouts were very important to him. And there were other guys, by the way, uh, at least one of which got busted for steroids later that were much stronger than me. And, you know, I was never very – one-on-ones were never my thing. I have short arms, so that was never a great deal for me, and I really struggled. I dislocated a couple fingers the first day. And he got rid of me after the first mini camp, which I was stunned by. And I remember saying to him, I'm like, Coach, you're you're getting rid of me after – because." I had started the last seven games at left guard under Campo. I had graded out the highest in six of those seven games. So I was floored that he, but it's interesting because I end up, and I know we'll get into this, but I end up, you know, getting picked up on waivers again by Buffalo. I end up starting the last five games at right guard for Buffalo, and I make the USA Today all Joe team. Like Buffalo loved me. And after the season, my agent said to Parcells, you know, what happened there? And Parcells said, you know, uh, he's like, I'm not going to put it on anybody else. I was looking to make moves, and, you know, I was a little early on that. Because I said to Coach Parcells, I said, you're not even going to see what I could do in pads on? I was a shoulder pads guy. Yeah. I, I was a full pads guy, and Parcells never really got gave me the chance to show him that. All right, we uh, we got a lot to cover, so I'm going to try to do something quickly. By the way, you did, uh, as you mentioned, you were named to the USA Today All-Joe team when you were with the Bills, which honored hard workers, grunt guys with anonymity. And the comment they had next to you was, a Princeton grad on the All-Joe team? Oh, mumsy. I thought that was good. <laughs> all right, I'm going to ask you some questions I want quick off-top-of-your-head answers, all right? Yes. Smartest guy you ever played with? That's not a on the answer. field or off the field. Uh, we can do both. Probably Tom Brady. Okay. Did you once tell me a story about drinking beers with Brady? Yeah, he's the best chugger I've ever seen. And I was in a fraternity at Princeton, and we had a guy named Hoagie Havner, who, by the way, is from <laughs> Doylestown, went to CB West, and it, the beer could not have come out faster if you just poured it out. And Brady was better. I mean, I remember it was training camp. Brady against all the rookie O-linemen, and he absolutely crushed them. And then he spiked the cup like he was Gronkowski. Uh, he's like the most competitive person I've ever been around. But I remember thinking, this guy has every positive male quality known to man. I mean, yeah. he's also an awesome chugger, but he's also probably the smartest um, just because it's like he could see things coming before they actually happened. Okay. Uh, best guy you ever lined up against? Best player I ever lined up against was Ray Lewis. Yeah, well, um, sure. and and I, and it was not even close. And anytime I do a lot of public speaking, I mention Ray Lewis every time because the things that made him so great, uh, 
It was not, look, he's big and he's fast and he's physical and all that stuff. He was the best I've ever seen, ever played against at calling out what we were running before the place, before the ball was snapped. Okay. So the amount of preparation he put into it and he had the best technique of anybody ever went against. So he's the best player I ever played against. Best defensive lineman I ever played against was Richard Seymour. And I've played against bigger name guys, but Seymour, I'm so glad he's actually getting in the Hall of Fame because he was so good, but just didn't put up the numbers because of New England's scheme. All right, one more. Best teammate you had that nobody really talks about? Well, that's probably Seymour, although I guess people do talk about him now um, because people didn't really talk about him. You know, You know who I think I would say? I think people forget just how good Eric Moulds was. You know, Eric Moulds had a four- or five-year run in Buffalo where he he was was really good, but the Bills weren't that great, and it was Buffalo. So I don't know that people really remember how good Eric was. Okay. Ray? When you look back over your career, which uh, does span seven years and a lot of stops, and um I read an interview with you. I don't know at which which station it was that you got released, uh, but it was the first time. It was one. I guess it was when you finally were released in Buffalo, or or, or you left Buffalo. That uh, your comment was you had been through this before. You knew the drill, but this time when you left, you said football is a pro football is a brutal, brutal business. It was the first time. It was the first time in all of your quotes. All the other ones, you, it was kind of philosophical. You kind of understood the numbers and why things are done the way they're done. But that one particular thing, it kind of, it, there was kind of this moment of clarity for you where you said, you know, this is a brutal, brutal business. Do you remember, how do you, I guess when you look back on your career, obviously you enjoyed most of it, but that cold business side of it, when it finally came, when you were confronted by it, it had to be painful. Very painful. Uh, the last two times I got cut were uh, very, very difficult for different reasons. You know, guys, my wife is not... My wife was a big football fan. She's not really into it anymore because she knows how the sausage is made and she realizes how glamorized it is and how much attention it is and how we all talk about it and it's so popular. I guess she's a little bit bitter, to be fair, and she feels like people don't know what it's really like, you know? And what it's really like is 2004, I start 13 games for the Buffalo Bills. I, I hit my playing time bonus. I had signed a three-year extension before the year. I play with a herniated disc in my back the last five games so that I hit my playing time incentive. We go nine and four in my 13 starts, four at center, nine at left guard. And I try to rehab it. I try to get it better and it just won't get better i have surgery in april three weeks before our wedding and which was may 21st so i had it right before the draft and my wife had a really good job on wall street with jp morgan and we were debating whether or not to make new york our home base and i would just play and i would play football wherever i'm playing and she would keep her job or she would move to Buffalo and stop working for a little while. And we had been long distance the whole time, our whole our whole relationship. 
So she decided to move to Buffalo because things had gone so well. I was one year in a three-year contract. I had, you know, played so well and made a bunch of money that year and whatever. Well, I got hurt twice more in camp, tore my hamstring, hurt my neck, bills cut me. One year into a three-year deal. And by the way, that one year was my best year ever. And so we went from having two awesome jobs for 25-year-old, 26-year-olds to packing up our stuff and moving in with my in-laws in Bumblefart, Pennsylvania. And um, literally, and that's not the name of it, but not literally, but like very, very rural. And I think that was really difficult because it was the first time that me getting cut affected somebody else's life. It was not how I wanted to start our marriage. I felt guilty. And I also was like, you know, hey, Buffalo, I just played the last five games with a herniated disc in my back. And so that was very, very difficult. And then I was out of the league most of the year until New England ended up signing me because nobody wanted to sign a guy who hadn't shown they could play after a major back surgery. So that that was very, very difficult. Um, But I'm very glad that I moved on and kept trying a couple more times and got in the media and did not allow that, that part of it to jade me. I choose... And this is just my temperament. I choose to look at the positives and to be thrilled that I got to do it for seven years and really believe that it led to the media opportunities I have now. I, I spend very little time focusing on the brutal business part of it. Well, okay, so we have just like three minutes left uh, to cover your current career, which is a terrific career because – you write, you broadcast, you do radio, you do TV, and you do five podcasts, six podcasts from your garage in, uh, I, I got Paxtonia, PA, correct? That's right, Harrisburg, yeah. Okay, and you've got people all over the world now listening to you. Um, you get more attention now than you ever did on the football field. Way more, way more. And what's interesting, guys, is I told you earlier – I probably, until about sixth grade, wanted to play for Penn State and then the Eagles, right? That was my dream like every other kid. You know, my dad is 5'9", 170 pounds, and I told you I was a late bloomer. So I would say from sixth grade to 11th grade, and maybe even longer than that, my dream was to get into the media. You know, I used to race my dad in the morning to get the Reading Eagle newspaper because I wanted to read what Steve Patton wrote about the Eagles. I was I read every Sports Illustrated cover to cover, and I thought maybe I would go to Syracuse and try to be an ESPN broadcaster or write for Sports Illustrated. That's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to write for Sports Illustrated. And so, um, you know, my friends will tell you that God made me big enough and good enough to play in the NFL so that I could get the job I was really meant to have, which is being a broadcaster, because they will tell you nobody likes football or talking more than me. <laughs> so so it's the perfect job. But I almost feel guilty sometimes, guys. Like I'm telling you right now, I've only ever had two dreams in my life. 
One was to be in, like an NFL player, and one was to be a broadcaster, and they both have happened, right. you know, and, and one because of the other. Well, we got to wrap it, uh, but I, I'll just say this as we do. Um, you're so good on social media, a quarter of a million Twitter followers, talking about stadium food of all things, uh, talking about the beer you're drinking, which I always appreciate that you link me into that. Um, and maybe, just maybe, you have become more famous than Taylor Swift, Ross. <laughs> De- definitely, definitely not. Um, but I got to tell you, totally an honor to be on with you guys. I have read, and I'm not, not trying to make you guys feel old, but I have read and listened to both of you for a long time. Every time I get a chance to be on the air with you, it's very cool for me. In fact, anytime I do anything Eagles-related or WIP-related, I kind of laugh that I'm getting paid for it because I'm like every other kid that grew up an Eagles fan and grew up you know, reading about the Eagles and listening to WIP. Like it's, uh, it's kind of another dream come true. It's, it's surreal sometimes. Well, you're a great guest, and we appreciate you being with us today. On Tell Us Your Story, sponsored by Meridian Bank, one of the area's best business banks. Learn why at meridianbanker.com slash WIP. Ross Tucker, thanks and be well. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, Ross. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.